How long? The psalmist cries out. And three more times with three more complaints, the psalmist prays and pleads with God. How long will you hide? How long must I bear pain? How long shall my enemies be exalted? For God's people, displaced and in a place of despair in Babylon in 450 BCE, they knew well of enemies and oppressors. And it's quite likely that this prayer was one of the top ten in the prayer book of Israel in this era of their, their journey. How long, how long, how long, O Lord? In a foreign land with foreign gods, a back-breaking economy that was crushing their morale and spirits, they cry out, how long? And so for us, in this season of waiting in Advent, how's your time of waiting? Can we find ourselves alongside Israel in these days, waiting for God to show up? We talk about these themes of hope and peace and joy, and we might be praying, how long, Lord, how long? If not personally, then you probably look at the landscape of our world, and it's easy to pray these prayers for our world. How long, O Lord? How long will you forget the suffering of our fellow human beings on this earth? Hong Kong, Syria, North Korea. How long? How long? How long will you hide your face from the innocent who suffer? the incarcerated, the abused, the exploited? How long will those who bear pain in their souls go unhealed, unburdened? How long? How long shall enemies and empires oppress others in Bolivia, in the Congo, in Cameroon? How long, O Lord? So we pray these prayers for our neighbors and our friends locally and globally. For people down and out. But married with Psalm 13, we also have Isaiah 35. And that's where in the midst of pleading and praying how long, we have this Isaianic prophetic word right Pretty smack dab in the middle of Isaiah. Because if you read through Isaiah, there's lots of doom and gloom in the first 34 chapters. But then right here at the halfway point, God seems to interrupt the story with a poem, interestingly enough. It's a surprising approach maybe for poetry to fall right in the midst of doom and gloom. It's proclamation poetry. And maybe it's because Israel's hearts and the human heart in general just get so overwhelmed with the forces of the world that cut down and break down and tear down that sometimes we need these creative, poetic words to revive us, to reinvigorate our imaginations, to restore the vision of our eyes, or restore the the way of our hearts when we've become overwhelmed. So if you have your Bibles open, or I invite you to open your Bibles, or you can hear this poem as I read a few phrases from it 
today. Isaiah 35. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it. The majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord. The majesty of our God. And so for those of us who might need this fresh wind, the poem goes on. The eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the speechless sing for joy, for waters shall break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool, and the thirsty ground become springs of water. This is good news. Good news. For thirsty souls, for lives and lands that are parched, God promises blossoms. Where eyes and ears have been stuffed up, God promises to reveal. Where thirst and scarcity overwhelms, God promises pools, springs of water. Where sadness and sorrow silence us, God promises a refrain of joy. And yet we know our present stories, we know the stories of the world, and so we hold in tension this hopeful, restoring word with the cries that we've cried in the beginning of this sermon. How long, O Lord? How long? It's a tension that we hold. And I'm going to suggest this morning that this is the hard work of Advent. It's not rushing to the manger for December 25th saying, Santa's going to fix everything. Or or even us Christians make it a little more spiritual. Jesus is going to fix everything. Instead, it's waiting and worrying and pondering and praying. And that's why many of us love Advent. And we love the church calendar because it gives us this journey to Christmas Day, and then Christmas Day starts on the 25th, and then we have the season of Christmas for 12 days. But before the season of Christmas is this season of waiting and praying and crying out and pleading, and I'm suggesting that this is the hard work of Advent. So I want to give you a little homework assignment in the next 10 days. As you're wandering through different places and you hear those carols that you've been hearing since November 2nd, for the next 10 days, I want you to go really adventy with the carols and do a little bit of uh, spiritual practice. When you hear the carols, try to pick out the adventy parts of the carols. I was trying to do that with a few this week. When you hear, O little town of Bethlehem, I urge you to reflect on that phrase, yet in thy dark streets shineth. Or when you hear, O come, O come, Emmanuel, maybe focus on ransom, who? Captive Israel. Come thou long expected Jesus from our 
fears and sins release. So that might be an Advent practice for the next 10 days. In the midst of the carols that are swirling around us, try to find those Advent-y phrases and pieces to hang on with. In the bleak midwinter, frosty wind made moan. Earth stood hard as iron, water like a stone. Or I found this um, Psalm 13 Advent hymn this week. It's not in our hymnals, uh, written by Isaac Watts in the early 1700s. Return, O God of love, return. Earth is a tiresome place. How long shall we, thy children, mourn our absence from thy face? These poetic words, these prophetic words, may they invade our imaginations, and our eyes and our ears and our hearts in this season of Advent. Might we sit with the toils and struggles a bit longer, the toils and struggles of our world, as we plead and pray how long, and ask God to bring newness again in this season of Advent. As we pray, let's pay attention. Because we do believe this living God, this arriving Jesus, is on the loose, is doing a work of renewal in us. And so maybe it's saying, Lord, give me ears to hear. Give me eyes to see anew your grace moving in my life or in the world. Might I see those streams and trickles of joy and gladness. Maybe I'll be surprised in places of hardness where I just see a trickle of joy and gladness. We pray, Lord, come. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Arrive in new and wondrous ways. And then there's this prayer in the midst of today's poem of Isaiah 35, where the writer writes, O Lord, strengthen our weak hands. Make firm our feeble needs. Say to our fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear. Uh, We've got some phrasings of that even in our confession prayer, but I thought just as a closing prayer at this part of the sermon, O Lord, strengthen our weak hands. Let's get our bodies involved here. I know we're not Pentecostals. Oh, Lord, strengthen our weak hands, and maybe even look at your hands. Make firm our feeble knees. Why don't you take your hands and touch your feeble knees. Lord, Lord, strengthen them. Please strengthen them. Make them firm. Take your hands. Put them over your heart. Say to our fearful hearts, Lord, be strong. Do not fear. Let's do that one more time. Strengthen our weak hands. Make firm our feeble knees. Say to our fearful hearts, be strong. Do not fear.